Empire. The big dance is ready to tip as safely as possible. We went and said, what do we need to be able to help people do these things safely? And, and as the CDC was releasing the, the six feet, you know, 15 minutes of contact time, we realized that our device could be tweaked and, and, and changed. That's Jim Garofalo, executive vice president at Connexon, who's trying to help one of the biggest sporting events on earth get through as safely as humanly possible. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. If we are going to truly have one shining moment, there are a lot of precautions that are going to need to take place at the NCAA tournament. Just a week ago, Duke and Virginia both had to exit their conference tournaments early due to a COVID-19 positive test. So Connexon is trying to help everyone get the hoops of March in without everyone going mad. Our guest this week is Jim Garofalo, who is the executive vice president at Connexon, who is working diligently with sports teams and venues across the world, but is really focused on the NCAA tournament, where their safe zone is trying to keep the players and everyone safe during the pandemic. Hey, Jim, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Hey, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you today. Um, this has been quite a year. Um, can you kind of talk about Connexon as they try to help everyone deal with COVID-19? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a roller coaster of a year, that's for sure. And, and I think the, the, the positive for, for Connexon side of it here is that we've been able to, you know, in, in, the, in the, best, the best characterization is, is create kind of a, a pivot in our in our product offering. Um, we were a company that was primarily known for performance tracking. You know, worrying about speeds, accelerations, positional data that you know, performance directors and data analytics analytics uh, individuals are looking at from a day in and day out perspective. We were able to to take our product and kind of strip it down to its simplest form and have a product now that is able to deliver information on uh, proximity. So we're able to say athlete A and athlete B are at distance from each other and they spent this amount of time and, and that information. So we've, we've had a pretty exciting year as far as uh, being able to, to, to help out individuals during, during the times that we're in. But uh, it's, it's certainly been something that we're, we're pretty proud of and, and been able to, to help keep people on the field. When did the pivot happen? Was it obvious to you and immediate? Because I think the world took a step back and said, okay, you know, like we're going to shut down for a short period of time. But I don't, I don't think anyone at least hoped that we'd be sitting here a year later talking about these things again. Um, can you kind of take me through how the company perceived the pivot and, and why to jump in and try to help teams out this way? Yeah, I, I think it was, um, I think the first conversations for us happened on this probably around the late April last year, early May, um, when we started to see that, um, you know, some some organizations, some some manufacturing facilities were starting to go back to work. And, and having a company that works in both areas, both in the industrial side of it and sports, we saw we saw the need there. And, and the technology that we'd worked in, you know, ultra wideband, is known as an extremely precise and accurate type of, of delivery mechanism, right? So 
we went and said, what do we need to be able to help people do these things safely? And, and as the CDC was releasing the, the six feet, you know, 15 minutes of contact time, we realized that our device could be tweaked and, and, and changed to be able to help people, you know, one, kind of give them that, that either that visual indicator that they're within six feet of somebody by a red flashing light yeah. or that audible um, information as well that, that could chirp if they get too close to somebody. So we took those two pieces of it. And then, then we said, well, it'd be great if we could store that data and then be able to, to deliver it back to individuals to help give them good contact tracing information. So we took that next step on it. So I think it was an evolution of one, we knew we could deliver, you know, sensor to sensor activity. And then two, how do we take that sensor to sensor activity and turn it into meaningful contact tracing information um, for our, our, our sports teams, our industrial clients, and really deliver a solution that could give them that total picture if there is a, a positive test how that can help, how this can aid in the process of identifying who may be at risk. Um, had the company thought about this at all previously? I, everyone's being revisionist because you'll see clips of Dr. Fauci or whoever saying things five, six, seven years ago. What I'm worried about is something like this, a respiratory disease that is transmissible at the rate that it is, and it shuts the world economy down because it overfloods medical centers. H- had you all thought about this as a company or did it take the actual pandemic occurring to get you thinking this way? I think I'd be lying to say if we knew that we were going to have this functionality and it was going to be able to deliver this in the in the means with which we are today. Um, I think we we always knew that we could get sensor to sensor contacts and sensor to sensor activity, and and we knew that positional information is is a space that we've worked in for a long time. So I think we always knew that this capability was there. But I don't think we ever were able to harness truly how you could use it at that, you know, for in the environments we played. I mean, sports, you can you can think of different ways that spacing would be important for individuals and and be able to do it. But truly having a device that would give you a, a, a visual cue or an audible cue if you got too close to each other. We just didn't see that application in sport at the time. So. I, I think we've always known that we could do this. I think this just kind of unearthed the way that, you know, that was going to be beneficial and, and to the to the marketplace at a time where people really needed it. Um, you know, what's amazing is, is I, I watched a lot of this type of stuff firsthand because I am the voice of the Washington football team. So I was going to practices and mm-hmm. there were the beeps going off when the players got <laughs> too close to one another. And it's, it was effective and dystopian all at the same time. Like watching both of those things happen in real time where the players were, you know, like literally trying not to get close to one another in a sport where it's impossible not to be close to one another and then being warned about it. I mean, it really was, it's wild to actually see it like happen. Yeah. And we, we saw some adjustments too, as we went along, I think like, you know, we, as with any, any company that's kind of creating a brand new use case in the market, like you're going to learn and you're going to see what, what has, uh, what works, what doesn't. We learned a lot from the MBA bubble um, and, you know, how the programming was set on the devices and what we wanted to do there. And we took those learnings and applied them to the NFL use case, as you just described. And I think early on, there probably was a lot of that, that, that alarms and alerts and, and things of that nature happening. But as we went on, we realized that, okay, the athletes have to be handled in a certain way with their devices. Maybe those tier two, tier three individuals that come in contact are handled in a different ways. And I think that's part of the, the, the really the, the great part of the system is that you can, you can go and customize 
how you want those devices to act with different individuals, right? So if you want somebody that is not normally supposed to come in contact with your athletes and they have a device on, it can always an alarm when they come in contact with each other. Or it could be, you know, there's no alarms at all at all that go off. So it really has that flexibility to adapt to the environment that you're in and deliver the best type of notification or uh, information based off of what the use case may be. Can you help me with just privacy issues and how you guys think that through with everything that Connexon does, which obviously is player tracking to now this contact tracing. Can you kind of take me yep. through the, the thought process of that? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the beauty of, of the, the devices we're working on right now is that we don't store any sensitive information about the athletes. So we don't need birth dates. We don't need, you know, social security numbers. We don't need heights. We don't need weights. We strictly have an athlete name or a pseudonym. Like we have a lot of our clients that work strictly in a, I'm going to be, you know, men's basketball, number one, number two, number three, number four. So we have ways that we can can work in, in different environments. If they want to have the names in there, they can. If they want to have pseudonyms, they certainly can do that. You know, and then, you know, the other thing about it too is that we're not we're not collecting physical location information. So really it's it's about sensor to sensor activity. So if you and I are on the practice field together, they're only we're only going to be able to see or anybody's only going to be able to see that we had contact with each other at this point in time, at this distance and for this long. I can't tell you if it happened in the locker room, in the training room, in the weight room, or on the field. All I can tell you is who the contact was with, at what time, what distance, and for how long, right? So, so that part of it, I think we're, we're, we're pretty happy with the fact that we're not sharing any kind of or capturing any sensitive information that would be worrisome for getting into someone else's hands. But, you know, we take that privacy security and security measures, you know, pretty, pretty seriously, and we, we want to make sure that there's different um, user profiles and different permissions set up for who can view what information. So we go through very stringent tests as far as what our security measures are. And obviously to work within pro sports or college sports, you have to have those, you have to be really dialed in on that information and make sure that you can deliver at a moment's notice to, you know, security professionals that want to make sure that their information is protected. So we have a, a we, we take that seriously and we have a lot of those things in place where, you know, our, that's part of our success to this point with our pro teams and our colleges. They, they trust that we're handling their data in the right way and that we're utilizing it in the right way as well. Um, you, you know, you mentioned the NBA bubble. What an interesting test case in general to, to look at mm-hmm. society, correct? If, if we were to figure out a way to get different sectors of the population kind of bubbled might be the wrong word for it, but essentially away from one another in a case like this, and you were working directly with the NBA and the teams in monitoring them in this environment. What can you tell us about that experience that, that you learned about being in a bubbled type environment? So many different use cases or so many different learnings from that. Right. But I think that the biggest thing for us is that, you know, the, the devices and what the, what the organization had set up, uh, the NBA had set up prior to it worked. Right. Like, I think that's the, the biggest testimonial to it is that they they had plans in place of how they tested and and how they they monitored individuals and to make sure that people were keeping good, good distance between each other. I think all those things together added to a, a successful, a successful event for them. Right. I, I think if you had one piece of it and not the other, I think maybe if you only had certain aspects of it, it may not have been as effective. But I think when you have the testing, you have the 
the contact tracing, you have all these pieces together and, and those good reminders of keeping good distance between each other and, and, and those, you know, kind of those, those constant reminders of how, how, how to change behavior and improve behavior while you're down there. I think all those things together led to a, a really successful event for, for what they, what they wanted to accomplish. And I mean, it speaks for itself, the amount of games, the amount of, you know, the no positive tests while they were down there. I think all those things together led to a very successful event for them. All right. So the NBA did it that way. Um, and now we have, we lost the NCAA tournament a year ago because it, it was just mm-hmm. so timed so poorly, unfortunately with the outbreak. Um, but here it is and it's back and boy, this is a different environment. Yeah. They're not traveling all over the country, but all these teams are showing up in one location from all these different places. Um, how are you guys working on navigating the NCAA tournament? I think it's, I think it's a similar environment, right? Like we we're going to play a role, but we're not the only ones playing a role. Obviously there is the NCAA is doing a, a, a ton of work on how they're breaking up you know, their, their teams across different hotels and different venues and like, who has access to, to, to where and when and, and how, you know, we, we know that there's a, a very stringent testing protocol that, that the NCAA has laid out and shared broadly. Um, and, you know, Connexon is going to be, is really excited to be a part of that process and help, you know, we're, you know, our, our better is that we don't have to worry about any, you know, any positive tests or any contact tracing information, but we're there to, to support and provide information when and if it's warranted. And, you know, hopefully we get through the, the April 5th, April 6th there with, with no issues and, and no positive tests. And, and Connection was just there to kind of play a support role if needed. Um, and you launched what's called the Safe Zone. Can you, you tell everybody what that is? Yeah, so Safe Zone is, is, our, is our contact tracing uh, proximity, um, proximity device that, that I was describing there. So really that's the, you know, each individual has a, a safe tag that they wear um, in, throughout the environment. And each is a little different, you know, like our, we've got programs that wear them, um, you know, currently the minute their athletes step in the building till the time they leave, somewhere in practice, somewhere in games, like it, it really depends on a, a team by team. Um, you being so close to the NFL environment, you saw the, the policies there and how stringent that was. The yeah. minute you walk into the facility, you had, you had the device on and you had to, to wear it throughout your activity there. So, yep. you know, we, we see, you know, the safe tag, you see the safe tags everywhere with, with their athletes walking to the facility and how they wear them. But, you know, really safe zone is kind of the that platform as a whole. It's the tags, it's the contact tracing, it's, it's the analytics, but all those things that go together that kind of, provide what uh, what safe zone can deliver. I can only imagine to let's get outside of sports for a moment that there must be companies in the, especially the service industry that are coming to you saying maybe the ship has sailed on this particular pandemic but we want to be prepared for the next one. Um, mm-hmm. have you had those types of conversations about when if this happens again that there's a different way that maybe the world can interact with it and and not have economies shut down? Yeah, I think we, I think we've, we've had a variety of those type of conversations. I think everybody is kind of, if, if this has taught us one thing that this device can do is it can reinforce good behavior, right? I think if you, let's say that we, we, we get through this, you know, we get through it this summer and, and things are trending in the right direction. I do think there's going to be use cases where people are going to want to continue to make sure that they're emphasizing good behavior, whether that be in an athletic environment, whether that be in an industry or a service industry, like you described. I think we've learned a lot here um, over the last, you know, 12, 13 months that, that show us 
you know, how to spread and, and things that we can, you know, just keep be mindful of that can help prevent that for the future. So for us, we see continued usage of this product. Now, will people be using it for, for contact tracing all the time? Maybe not. Maybe they, it becomes more of a proximity device that just is a, a smart reminder that if you're within six feet of somebody that you need to back up and, and kind of keep some distance there. So I think we're going to see this evolve a little bit. Um, but yeah, a lot of people are planning of, you know, we made it through this one <laughs> and how are we going to set ourselves up for success if this should ever happen again? You know, I, I, while we've had great success during this time, we certainly don't want to see another pandemic and we don't want to see people have to deal with this again. So we're going to, we'll, we'll arm them with the tools that, you know, help, you know, keep them safe and, and successful and, and keep everything open as, as much as possible. Jim Garofalo is the executive vice president at Connexon. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. On the next Future Sport Podcast, the modern America's Cup has become faster and more dangerous than ever. I think that what I need uh, in our sport to, to, to do something new, to, do, to go faster, basically, no? because as, a, as an athlete or as a competitor, or uh, or a driver. The, the, the only thing you want to do every 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 time, no, every year you want to improve your performance. That's Max Serena, skipper of the Luna Rossa Prada Pirelli team, one of the challengers for the America's Cup. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.